bed than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Saturday, and I hope you're all doing well. I am. Hope you're all bearing up on the uh, self, self, uh, why can't I remember what the heck, whatever term, term it is, uh, staying away from people, staying home, that kind of thing for coronavirus and all that, which this too shall pass. I'm doing okay because I, like I said before, I stay home most of the time anyway, and I've got things to do. Like my wife is, uh, she's working from home also. She works for Boeing, so they said if you don't need to go in, don't go in. Work from home, buddy. Work from home. But if you can, she had to go in yesterday because they said if you can't connect to the server and their server was something wrong with it, you have to come in. So she did. Anyway, long story short, I guess a little bit of trivia on my life. I was oh man, the way my mind works. I was thinking, ye gods. Well, what about them? So we will talk about that after this. Thinking about pantheons today and the whatever you know goes with that, and how do you do your gods? Do you have an active pantheon in your world or a passive or something in between? Now, or also, do you how do you how do you create them? If you if you do create them, I mean, you could have a game a game world which has a you know like. They follow the Greek gods, the Roman gods, the Norse gods, the Egyptian gods, who knows? Which gives your, which to me automatically gives your campaign world a certain flavor. Because the temptation is to follow the Greek, make it a Greek kind of thing, or a Roman kind of thing, or a, a I don't know, Chinese kind of thing, if you're following the Chinese celestial bureaucracy or something like that. But if you don't want to nail it down to one specific culture, what do you do? Do you create them your own? Do you mix and match? I've seen people who mix and match. I mean, the Forgotten Realms itself has a couple of gods in there that are from other pantheons. They just said, okay, we're g- they're going to be here. Okay, like, um, I can't remember the, the, the god of knowledge. Um, the god of knowledge, I can't remember the god's name, but, you know, that's from another pantheon. I think it's a Norse pantheon. I'm not sure. See, I don't have my information with me, so I'm kind of spitballing it right now. So. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You know, you can break a de- break a pantheon down to however small you want. You can make it as granular as you need to be, and it needs to be rather, because it's you can. I I favor more of an all encompassing kind of pantheon where you have like one god over this area, this portfolio that includes this, 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 and this, or general things like life, or even not even have pantheons. You just have this force of certain forces of nature who have worshipers who can tap into that, a la the force, and that kind of thing. And something like that. So, how do you, how do you build them? I would take a, uh, and there's some like, you know, 50 Fathoms there, there to, di- to divert a moment. In, in the Savage Worlds 50 Fathoms game, their magic all revolves around elements. 
fire, earth, air, water. So you can have a pantheon of just fire, earth, air, and water. Four guys or four elements. You don't even have to have don't even have to have guys. But I like to people like to put a face on their faith. That's the whole thing. Plus, if you have demi-humans, they have their own gods or maybe a whole pantheon. Who knows? So, like I said, it can get as complicated or as simple as you want it to be. I would recommend looking at the old first edition deities and demigods or other god pantheonistic type of things like that. There's a lot of game systems that conclude the pantheons like Astonishing Swordsman. So you see what they've already got a set pantheon which is borrowed from like Lovecraft and Smith and all them and Howard. I think that's where the Lovecraft connection in pulp fantasy comes in because he's always good for some kind of weird eldritch uh, outer space alien thing to be worshipped by ignorant people that the hero has to stop because it's evil or whatever, mindless, whatever you want to call it. So... There's that, but I have, you know, I've taken, I've got a few gods in my world. I really don't think much about it, but I do have, I have these gods that are like I call leftover gods because I've, they're leftover from other games I've played that I've created for them. Like Potatus was created in a Labyrinth Lord game that I played over Roll Twenty with my friend Crispy and Vince and a few other people. And because it became a joke, it was all about the, this agriculture, this agrarian society here, this one town where, and I ha- and they said they grow potatoes and other vegetables, and I have to say, oh, they rusha potatoes, and it just grew from there, so I kept it. I said their stat, their 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 god, they they usually put up like effigies of like Mister Potato Head in a Roman in Roman togas or something like that. And I just kept it, potatoes. So I made him a god, the god of agriculture. So perfect. What else to have? Oh, and I took I took the hands of time. We had the hands of time and the hands of fate at one time. We had, I forget, Kronos, the hands of time, and Menos, the hands of fate. So we had that in here. The Is your freight predetermined by Menos, or is it your own? So... And it, it, came, it got in some very interesting things in some of my games where, to me, as far as fate goes, fate is something that you either have it predetermined or you don't. And what I mean by that is there are certain people who are Manos favored, and which means Manos takes an interest to them in their life for whatever reason he has. And their fate tends to be predetermined for the most part. You know, there's some wiggle room. You can do different things and stuff, but, you know, he has a purpose for you. And so, you know, don't, you know, don't, you got to take that into consideration. Let me put it that way. So, you have that. And you got to think about the worshipers and the church and all that. You know, there's nothing wrong also with having a monotheistic faith in your world like you know use god and jesus nothing wrong with that although that might flavor your campaign a bit a bit more uh deserty jerusalem israelite type of thing if you want it because there's a lot of cases of different cultures adopting christianity over the years i mean rome did it hell 
So you don't have to go that way. Following Christianity, the one true God and his and his son Jesus and things like that, you have the advantage of you can play whatever whatever culture you like, even one that's made up, and they happen to be Christian. They just that's the way it goes, you know. And you can take that with good or you can take the good part and the bad part, you know, because Christians did a lot of things that were kind of bad, you know, like the Crusades and the Inquisition and things like that, if you want to cover that. In 50 Fathoms, I know there's one guy called Torquenata that came over from Earth who hates wizards, he hates magic, that he will go out of his way, he has a ship and he'll go out of his way, and his followers will go out of their way to persecute and kill anybody who has anything to do with magic. They'll torture them. They will try to get them to confess and all that. So they brought the worst parts of the Inquisition into 50 Fathoms. But, you know, you got to deal with that, too. I mean, there's nothing saying other gods can't do that. You know, start a holy war. I mean, holy wars are interesting. And they would make good fodder for a, a background fodder for a campaign. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it the thing that defines the campaign. This world, there's always a holy war going on. You know, it's kind of like Warhammer 50,000, 50K, because there's always, a, there's always a battle going on somewhere because that's the, way they li- that's the way the emperor likes it. But, and of course, I'm talking through my butt again. So, so I know you're going to have some 50K people say, no, no, that's not the way it goes. So, okay, fine. I'm just using an example. You know, holy wars happen. And holy wars can be good background stuff for whatever for whatever you want. It's good story plot points. You know, you can have that in the background. It's kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly, where they have the civil war in the background. Same thing. Anyway, so, you know, how do you create your pantheon? You got to think about that. You got to think what what happens if you want certain gods in certain areas. It's almost like creating a, a celestial bureaucracy. It's almost like, like creating a corporation where you have bureaucrats. You know, you have bureaucrats. Okay, this is my department. This is my department. This is my department. And portfolios get changed around. I mean, Forgotten Robes got changed around. Seems like every edition they got changed around. But anyway, you know, there there might be this guy might be the god of of evil and murder in one campaign and then like 50 years later they get shuffled around this this god is the god of evil and murder or they get split up one's evil one's murder you know you do however you want to mix it up you can shake it up every once in a while which makes it interesting for their followers you know they, they determine how what kind of what kind of magical power they get and it's always magical power in my game or or holy power or whatever it is it's never specific spells the clerics know the spells. The god gives them the power. If the god wants them to do a certain thing with a certain spell, he will hand that specifically down. That's what this power is for. This this holy holy mana I'm giving you. So that's the way it goes in my games anyway. But, you know, there's also the rule of if the god is dead or the god is gone or, or something... Priests can still get spells, but only up to third level, which makes sense. Some 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 game masters will be a little more hardcore, saying you don't get any spells at all. You're out of luck. You got any magic items on you that you can use, scrolls or something like that? Better use them. You know, that kind of thing. But anyway, I'm getting off subject here. So anyway, think about it. How do you do it? 
Anyway, I'm going to go start my day. So if you've got anything to say about me or anything else, you can go to hold of me at oldmangrognardgmail.com or drop a voicemail on Anchor. We're monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again, Jonathan Dorje Wendell, Jessen, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Suarez, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Daniel Reynolds, Dan Gregg, Benjamin Brodell, Jason, John Allen Large. You guys are great. Thank you very much. Don't forget to listen to some of their podcasts, too, like Dan Gregg's The Young Y-U-N-G Grognard Podcast, and Marcy Walring's The Yawning Owlbear Podcast, and John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diary. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.